I'm so happy to see so many of you signing up for my ADHD burnout workshop, which is happening on October the 12th at 12.30pm UK time. And it seems that so many of us experience this cycle of overproductivity, exhaustion and then crashing. And now many of us with a new lens of ADHD and a new understanding, we're ready to create um, better awareness around this topic and make some intentional changes to our lives from all aspects. And burnout doesn't just have to be present in our careers. It can show up in parenting, friendships, and just purely overgiving with very few boundaries and prioritising everything else apart from our own emotional well-being. So during this hour's workshop, I'll be offering you more awareness of how ADHD burnout can show up, what it feels and looks like, and offer you new tools and perspectives to make changes that feel right for you. I'll also be answering questions because I know when I answer one question, the answer helps many. So all the details are in the show notes or my website, coachingbykate.me.uk, and you can buy all the tickets there. And if you can't make the live show, don't worry, you will be able to, if you buy the ticket, you'll get a recording link very soon after. I really do hope to see you there. Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and if you've arrived here, there must be a reason. I'm guessing you're curious to learn more about improving your well-being alongside ADHD, or maybe looking for some advice or guidance to feel healthier and calmer. So why start this podcast? I'm a well-being and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and I discovered my own ADHD alongside one of my daughters at the age of 40. And now, after supporting many other women just like me, and probably you, I feel there's a need for more emphasis on well-being and lifestyle help for women with ADHD. And through the podcast, I want to offer you new insights and perspectives to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and balanced life. So wherever you are on your ADHD journey, my aim is to support you in finding the awareness and the most aligned tools to enhance your well-being so you can make the most intentional mindset and lifestyle choices moving forwards. Ready to get started? Here's the episode. So hi everyone and welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast and today's guest is someone that I've been following on Instagram for a really long time. So we have Brittany Hostetler. Now, Brittany, you may not recognize her name, but her Instagram account you may well recognize, and it's the ADHD Brain Instagram account. And that is, I would say, one of the best accounts out there to really understand what it is to have an ADHD brain and what's going on behind all the daily annoyances that we see and really sort of understand that it is a brain difference to say, you know, to say the least and why it's all happening and all the different areas of our brain, um, what it's doing to kind of bring out the external ADHD and often internal ADHD traits. So Brittany, welcome to the podcast. Really good to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be discussing ADHD with you in general. I think there is a lot that can be talked about in general, but I'm definitely excited because with you, it seems like you focus more on women. So that'll be exciting to kind of hone in a little more when it comes to ADHD with women. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I I know you're an ADHD brain health expert. You have a fantastic podcast called the Brain Health Journey Podcast. 
and you are a mum of three, you live in Indiana in the States, and you have a real special interest in brain health and ADHD. And obviously you have ADHD going on in your family. Can you tell me a little bit about when you got your diagnosis and when this very sort of specific interest in ADHD brain health came along? Sure. So when I was, I can't think exactly what age I was anywhere from like 10 to 12 years old, I did get diagnosed. So our family doctor did diagnose me, but my mom, and I know like some people are going to hear this and they're instantly going to think, oh my gosh, like, what a terrible parent. And this this came from the best place when it came to my mother. But she was like, you know, I don't think she needs medication. Like she's perfect the way she is. Sometimes things are going to take a little longer, whether it's reading comprehension or just a basic understanding of something. And I think she was trying her best to make me feel like I wasn't, I don't know, like there wasn't anything wrong with me. And she did understand me. She was very good at trying to make me feel better when I felt bad about myself, really, for whatever reason. So she never put me on medication. So I kind of like went through most of my life just, it was like I, I knew it was there, but I didn't really think much of it. It was just sort of like sitting in the back of my head, like every now and then if I met someone else that would talk about their ADHD, I'm like, oh yeah, I totally get that. I go through the same thing. And honestly, I used to just think that it was, oh, I just have some focus problems. You know, sometimes it's hard for me to understand something when I'm reading or I have to read it a dozen times or I'm a little forgetful. And I like seriously thought that's as far as ADHD went, honestly. And for a lot of my adult life, so I'm, I'm 35 now and off and on, I would think, you know, I, I really should go get an evaluation done, another one as an adult, like just to be sure that I have it and see, you know, because there are so many frustrations about ADHD, as you had said as well. And I think the main thing that stopped me was that I was afraid to go to my doctor because I was afraid they would view me as someone, oh, she's just trying to get medication. She's just trying to get whatever. Or maybe they would view me as lazy or just making up excuses or something. So I just, I would not do it for years. And it was not until... So it was the summer of 2021, so a little over a year ago. That was when I finally did. And it was, yeah, pretty obvious. Like, yeah, you you do. Like, just to confirm you, you definitely do when you were diagnosed as a child, even though there wasn't any treatment, you, you do have ADHD. And so, yeah, I've just kind of gone from there. And I believe it was around the same time I was going through this brain health certification. And I was learning a lot about the brain and neuroscience and neurobiology and behavior. And that's kind of how it sparked with the ADHD interest, you know, just like, wow, this isn't just a focus issue. It's more than just not being able to pay attention. And so learning about the brain a little more when it came to ADHD, along with getting that confirmation again from my doctor, that's kind of what sparked the interest of, I guess, going down that rabbit hole of learning more. Wow. I mean, it's fascinating that you had such an early diagnosis back in 
when the early 90s or the mid 90s I'm trying yeah. to do the maths but you know just for girls to have had that diagnosis and for your mum to have been I know you know listen I, it kind of resonates a little bit with with her because I have at least one child diagnosed and sometimes I kind of think well you know maybe it's okay that she's not on medication and some days I think it's okay and some days I don't and and I take her lead and at the moment she doesn't want to be on medication so I can't force that. And we'll see what happens as she gets older, what challenges come up for her. But I'm very, very aware of as, as we get older and puberty and hormones and everything for women, that it really does sort of change tack a little bit. And sometimes understanding it too much and knowing too much can be a bit scary. And I'm sure you might have that as well when you're a mum and we already overthink and kind of get anxious. And then we know a lot. And, and sometimes I think, oh, it'd just be nice to be in blissful ignorance. But yes. I'm also, yeah, I, I also just know that it's good to have all this awareness. And so you now have a huge amount of awareness after you've done this brain health certification. It's so interesting that you needed that confirmation again, because I see this a lot with ADHD women, especially that we often like gaslight ourselves in the sense that, you know, well, maybe it's just this or maybe it's not really that true maybe it's not that debilitating or maybe it's not you know so it's challenging as, as as I'm making out and I need a doctor to confirm it's like that validation that external validation when internally so many of us know that things aren't quite right and that we have had these struggles you know all our life and we can go back to childhood especially if you've had a diagnosis and the doctor says you know when can you remember when did it show up in your childhood and we all know, we remember the anxious, you know, nights, we remember the sleeplessness, we remember the worrying and the daydreaming. And we just kind of, I don't know, we just kind of push it to one side and just keep going and going. And then it's often sort of like a a life event or something that just gets too much for us. And then, you know, the ADHD diagnosis comes and, you know, very often it is with our children and getting right. a diagnosis for our children it's kind of like, okay, that's the validation that we need that actually my struggles have been real. So exactly. And being a mother is hard in general. I mean, it is, you know, you know, and so like having the ADHD on top of that, and we don't know any better. We don't know what it's like to not have it. So we just go through this life almost like you said, gaslighting ourselves. Is this how it's supposed to be? Am, am I supposed to feel this way? Am I supposed to? I, so it's just like, you're always questioning yourself in general and it's hard so what you're what you have helped me do and I share your posts all the time on my Instagram account Thank you. Is that you help break it all down you help <laughs> break down the things that we see the daily annoyances the ups and the downs the little nuances that pop up in you know in our ADHD lives the thoughts the systems the traits I mean I could go on with so many different examples and what you help you help us validate that there's a neurochemical reason there's a neurological reason there's something going on in the different parts of our brain and that's what I just has made me feel so much better about my own ADHD because it's made me see okay well that's happening because of this and there's a receptor that's doing this and I'm really not a medical person and I love how you kind of simplify it and what you help me do is you enable me to be able to explain it to my clients or my children or to family members or my husband who are really not knowledgeable at all and maybe just 
do have this kind of very um, one dimensional view of ADHD, of it just being a focus of concentration, sort of hyperactivity problem. And I still have conversations with my husband who still kind of has this ethos, which really annoys me <laughs> that everyone's got a little bit of ADHD in them. But it's not true. There's there's traits. Yeah, 100%. You can have someone without ADHD that is a procrastinator or someone that's just kind of like a bit untidy or someone that's a bit late. But it's when we combine lots of them together, that's when we start seeing, you know, ADHD. So I would love for you to tell, let's, I'm just going to throw some things out there. It's going to be a bit of a quick fire <laughs> because these are the things that, that come up a lot, especially in my world of ADHD with my kind of audience, but also what I see on your grid, on your Instagram account. And I'm going to just, let's start with burnout. And, this, and I saw a specific term, which I, I think is so powerful, is the productivity guilt, because I suffer from this on a ridiculous level and I think contributes to burnout I think ADHD burnout is so prevalent and I saw your statistic that you said um something like 54% of us it's like 20% more than neurotypicals suffer with burnout with ADHD alongside I've definitely you know had this in different parts of my life and it's a cycle that's really hard to break unless we are super aware of it and we are aware of how it shows up in different facets as well, because it's not just a career burnout. It's like a right. life burnout, isn't it? So mm. maybe we could just, let's just hone in on the productivity guilt. What is that? Productivity guilt, I feel like in a nutshell, is just feeling like you're never doing enough, but you're always doing something. You're always moving. You're const You feel like you're always doing something, but then nothing gets done. You, at the end of the day, you think, well, what in the world did I do? I mean, every, everything still looks the same or I didn't get this done. I didn't even get started on that. And, and so that's where the guilt kind of sets in. And that can come from maybe from some of the people that we are also around because then we start to get a little paranoid. Well, I, I have been doing stuff all day. I know it doesn't look like it, but I have been. And so you're kind of feeling like you have to explain yourself to other people too, almost, you know? Yeah. Do you think we put really high expectations on ourselves that contribute to this productivity guilt? I do. And I think, well, for one, this takes a lot of introspection and awareness on like yourself as a person. So sometimes you have to Think about your current situation, maybe even look back in your childhood a little bit. If you were told, hey, you're not trying hard enough, you need to try harder, you can do better, look at all these other kids, they're doing just fine, all you have to do is focus a little more, you're just being lazy, you're not motivated, and so you really sit here and think, well, gosh, I must be lazy, like maybe I don't care, and maybe I just need to pick up my motivation a little bit, and so when you get that, those messages and I mean, throughout the years and you're being programmed to think that you're just not doing enough so that, I mean, that's going to sit in the back of your mind and you're going to think I'm not, I guess I'm just not doing enough. And so you're going to work harder and harder and you're going to keep thinking that it's still not enough. And so AKA where that guilt kind of sets in and we do have a lot of expectations. I think too much, we expect too much 
from ourselves. And I mean, like I said, it could be due from various reasons, but I do think some of it has to do with some of the messages that we got when we were kids. Yeah, yeah. So Sari Solden, who wrote the Radical Guide for ADHD Women and lots of other amazing ADHD books, she talks about she messages. And she says that these she messages are very specific to ADHD women because we internalize lots of subliminal societal messaging from other women. So, you know, like whether it's the house or keeping on top of our um, kids' routine on and um, juggling our career and being a good family member and make maintaining friendships and being a good wife and all the sort of very kind of archaic stereotypes of being a good woman, I'm saying this in inverted commas, that that is exhausting in itself. So we're already kind of negating against ourselves the self-criticism. And, you know, I think a massive contribution to, to burnout is just our internalization of this kind of like stuff that's just going round and all the time it's like exactly what you said what we're not doing enough and we think we should be doing more and where have we got what have we got to prove of a day's work I mean even today I can talk about I my daughter was off sick from school so in my back of my mind I was like well I can't do too much I can't get too into my work because she's sort of watching tv in the other room bouncing from different meetings and trying to get something done signed up for a course, like all these little things. And I'm doing everything just a little bit. And I know from experience that I will now just be like, oh, nothing really happened today, even though I was busy the whole time. And I'm tired. I sit on the couch, try and sit on the couch. And I'm just like, what have I actually achieved? So I've trying to train myself now to, if I'm on the couch, and that's it. I'm switching off. I'm going to put something on TV and that's it. Or the other night I said to my husband, actually, the best thing for me, even though this doesn't seem like a very relaxing thing to do, I need to go and work tonight. I need to go and sit in my office quietly and the whole house is quiet and I can get some work done and I can get into bed and it feels okay. Now, there's a lot of people out there, well-being experts that will be like, don't go on your laptop after 7 p.m., shut down all your emails. Actually, that quietened my brain more than sitting on the couch and trying to relax. So it's interesting, I think, there's for ADHD, being able to have a different way of living, it's okay, but it might not be what other people think is you know, a good way of being able to just switch off 6 p.m. done, because our brains don't do that. Right, and I... I'll kind of piggyback off of what you said. I feel like we we do add so much onto our plate. And <laughs> some of that has to do with people pleasing. Some of that has to do with impulsivity. So, I mean, okay, so you mentioned courses, let's say. Let's say you're going through this course and then you come across another one and you're like, oh my gosh, this one looks amazing. And so maybe you pay for this one and you start on this one, but you never finished the one you were originally in the middle with. And so that's like just an example right there of how, you know, nothing gets finished. Then months down the road, you're thinking, okay, I've been working on like all this stuff and I'm not done with any of it. So I think one thing is to just, you know, back to awareness, just being able to challenge ourselves and say, okay, I, I really should get this course done first before I 
before I put money into something else, before I put my time into something else. And when you actually get that job finished, you're going to feel good about it. You're going to get that dopamine hit. You're going to feel that euphoria just for accomplishing something. And then you can move on to something else because we, we bounce from one thing to another so much. And that's just our brains. We're just seeking something new, seeking something more exciting, more fun, because we're bored in whatever it is that we're doing at the moment. And so just being able to be aware and kind of challenge ourselves when that time comes, you know, just say, wait a minute, I don't, I don't need to bounce from one thing to another. Like, let's just, let's just get this done first. It's going to feel good when I get it done. And then I can move on to something else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it is. And I think that's another contribution, isn't it, to the burnout is that we are always seeking something new. So we are taking new things on. Um, and it's that duality. I always say this with ADHD, like we we always kind of it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. Is that the expression that we we're just about to kind of be OK, maybe that awareness. And then we just do something and it tips us over the edge. And sometimes I do 100% agree with you. I'm all about awareness. And sometimes we have to take that pause, that breath to be like, okay, is this, what's this going to achieve? Is this a quick hit? Or is this going to be, you know, is this going to contribute to something big, you know, further down the line? Um, so yeah, I, I, it's it's constantly just being aware of it, being there in the background, isn't it? And And just knowing that one thing can just tip us over the edge, one extra, um, plan or one extra yes or one extra kind of course is that contributor to the burnout cycle it Um, really can and that the yes thing i think is so important especially for women i just feel like we say yes too much and you know start if you have a really hard time saying no start with something small if let's say this is just a an example if your friends say hey you want to go out to a movie with us. We're going out to see this movie and you really don't want to do it. Well, you know what? I think I'm just going to stay in for that night or, you know, this is, I have this going on or whatever. Um, you know, start something small. I mean, I know it's just a movie, but at the same time, if you're like saying yes to all these things over time that you're not really wanting to do, then it adds up and it, it does further lead into burnout. And I know we all have to do things we don't want to do sometimes like that just that just happens. I mean, we're going to say yes to things that we don't necessarily want to do. But think about like, how often are you saying yes to something that you don't like you didn't need to say yes to it? And yet you are. If what we're talking about in this episode is resonating with you and you'd like to find out more ways to help manage and improve your emotional dysregulation and calm your RSD, I've created a brand new free video for you. I know journaling is a very helpful tool for many people to externalise their thoughts, reduce overwhelm and feel calmer. However, with ADHD, putting pen to paper can feel like an intimidating task and something we'd procrastinate over. And as you all know, I'm a huge advocate of using EFT or tapping to help regulate our emotions and our nervous system and often talk about how using just a few minutes of tapping a day can help bring better perspective when we feel overstimulated and emotionally all over the place. And I think we all know that one well. So for this reason, I've come up with my own ADHD alternative to journaling and I've called it my tap and talk technique. 
In this free 10 minute video, I show you how to effectively journal out your thoughts and overwhelming emotions by using tapping. This is something anyone can do as long as you have a few minutes on your own. It can also be taught to your kids and your partners as well. I promise you it's really, really simple. And although I do love to journal when I'm in the right headspace, tapping can feel less of an effort than sitting and writing and can have the same, if not better results because we're reducing the cortisol in our body, rewiring our neural pathways and calming our nervous system, which is allowing for a release of emotions and very often a change in perspectives. So if you'd like to download my free tap and talk video, head to my website, which is coachingbykate.me.uk or the show notes of this episode or if you know, in my Instagram bio, it's all there. And if you are interested in any other EFT tapping ADHD free resources, I've got lots for you. This is all to help you regulate your ADHD emotions. Good luck with it. And please do let me know how you get on. Now back to the podcast. Why does our emotional regulation play such a big part with the ADHD brain? So it really, it really does seem like emotional dysregulation, regulation is, you know, the core of ADHD when you think about it, whether it is hyperactivity, impulsivity, um, it, it just seems like that's the core of everything that we are having to deal with. And so I guess in a nutshell, part of the emotional dysregulation has to do with, well, our prefrontal cortex, which I know many have heard ours is not as strong as it should be. It is weakened. I know that some people don't like to hear that or they feel offended, but I don't know how else to word it. It doesn't, we do have a weakened prefrontal cortex, like a weakened functioning of the prefrontal cortex. And so- I just to interrupt yeah. you, what does the prefrontal cortex do for our brain? Like what's it there for? What's the function for it? So the way I like to think of it is that area kind of helps us to think before we do, think before we do, think before we speak, our thinking, our logic, our planning, organization, kind of planning ahead. It's sort of like the supervisor, like think of the supervisor in your brain, just kind of telling you what you need to do and, or to kind of plan ahead of time. So I kind of look at it as a supervisor. It is involved with empathy as well. So it does have some other factors involved. Which I think um, we I, have, I think we have empathy in the bucket load. So, I do too, yeah. which I find interesting because don't you read a lot with ADHD? There's a lack of empathy and I don't see that. I see, I like you said, bucket loads yeah. of empathy. That's what I personally yeah. see. I so see I, that all the I, time. Yeah. I just, I find that whole thing a little interesting. Like when I read that, I'm like, mm, I don't think so. I feel like we are very empathetic people. Um, I guess with the, with the prefrontal cortex, that's what's kind of going on there. And there's another brain structure where it's called the amygdala. And so that can kind of involve our, you know, our emotions, feelings, fight or flight response, which I'm sure a lot have heard of that. And so when we're kind of emotional and that area is getting a little fired up, we kind of get a little less logical about things, right? So it does kind of affect that prefrontal cortex where, you know, the amygdala is fired up, we're getting a little emotional, irritable, whatever it may be. Um, you know, it's kind of overpowering 
the prefrontal cortex. So it might start to overpower that our logical thinking and reasoning and that sort of thing. So with ADHD, because we already have that weakened function in the prefrontal cortex to begin with, that can make it seem like it's a little worse for us at times when it comes to emotional dysregulation. So it, it, yeah, it just feels like it just overpowers you when you get to a certain point, I guess, whether it is irritability or excitement or it, it's not even just irritability or sadness. It could be excitement. You know, you see someone with ADHD, they're so excited about something and everyone's looking around them like, oh, it's cool. It's exciting. But you're like really excited. Yeah, definitely. And I'm interested to know because I think that I don't know if this is something that you're, you you know about, but the blood sugar levels, I think when we're hungry or thirsty, that whole emotional dysregulation happens so much more. You know, we call it hanger, um, but it, it's just so much more, you know, it's just, it's just much bigger for ADHD, I think. What's the connection between, is it the blood sugar levels? Well, if, when we have low blood sugar, I mean, that can get us, I mean, our bodies are saying like, I need, I need something I need, I need food. And you start to, you get mad and irritable and you might get a little snippy at people. And, you know, for a lot of people with ADHD, whether it's going all day without drinking water or going all day without having a bite to eat, that's going to mess with your body a little bit. And with the blood sugar levels, that does affect some of the neurotransmitters in your brain. So making sure to have that stabilized blood sugar throughout the day, that does kind of help stabilize or level off the neurotransmitters as well. So it's all interconnected. It just, it seems like all of this that we talk about is just all connected in some way. And so we need to make sure that we do eat enough throughout the day. And protein is a big thing too, but just making sure that we aren't going too long without eating. Make sure that you are eating at least a little something at breakfast, a couple snacks throughout the day. Make sure you are drinking enough water because um, I did talk about this recently. The, we have something called the interoceptive sense. And that just basically, it's our bodies telling us when something is going on or when we need something. So hunger, that's, we know when we're hungry and we need to eat something typically, but sometimes with ADHD, some people with ADHD, we may not recognize that. Even though our body is telling us we're hungry, we almost don't, sometimes we don't recognize it and we'll go for a long time until now we're having these sudden dips in blood sugar and we're getting irritable, we're getting mad. And sometimes it's good to just like kind of pause and ask yourself, a handful of questions, you know, like when's the last time I've eaten? When did I take a drink? Do I need to take five minutes to just breathe, to just sit with myself and breathe a little bit? Because sometimes like our bodies are trying to tell us something and we just don't, we don't even realize it or sleep. I, I, you know, we know, we all know a lot of people with ADHD go through sleep issues. So whether it's just staying up too late by your choice or insomnia, having trouble getting to sleep, we can feel tired, but we almost, because of the interoceptive 
sense that can be a little off. It's like we aren't recognizing that we're tired. And so we just keep staying up and staying up. Mm -hmm. So one thing I'm trying to do is just pause and be a little more mindful of what my body is trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's so helpful because, I mean, what I was thinking when you were talking about that was like my kids, especially one, is very good at reflecting back at me the lots of stuff. And, and if you've got a kid with ADHD, they, you know, it, it can be really hard work, really, really hard work because we're sort of regulating ourselves. We've kind of got to co-regulate with them. And we've got to be that the foundation and we've got to be the ones to remember about the food, the drink, because we can't be having the meltdowns alongside the child having the meltdown because then it's just complete, you know, chaos in the house. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's almost like that awareness for us is so important, that breathing, that sleeping, that stress, you know, de-stressing opportunities wherever we can find it, you know, moving away from our computer, because what's going to happen is our kids are going to do the thing and we're going to have to be the ones in control. And that's really hard when we're already battling, you know, deficiencies in our, in our brain receptors. So it's it's really hard and you know I'm trying to tell my daughter my youngest daughter when I can see her about to have some form of sort of mood dysregulation meltdown whatever you want to call it I'm trying to explain to her afterwards when did you last drink when did you last eat have you been on the iPad for too long? When was the last time you played outside? Do you, do you need to go and jump on the trampoline? And I know this sounds like a lot for a kid to kind of but I just really want to equip her with tools exactly. so she can be like, actually, it's been like quite a few hours since I've eaten and I need to go and get a snack or I've not had a drink all afternoon. So at school, I'm trying to remind her, you know, make sure you've got your water bottle on your desk. Make sure you go and play outside and you're not just sort of sitting around, you know, at, at break time because if kids at that age can help regulate themselves then it gives them a better chance, you know, as adults to for it to kind of feel a bit more natural, even though we're always going to have to kind of keep going back to that brain that doesn't quite want to do what we want it to do all the time. I feel like parenting kids with ADHD while we've got ADHD is really hard work. And I just want to, anyone that's listening now, you know, if that's what you're doing, I definitely, you know, get it. And just have a lot of compassion and um yeah sending, sending love yeah it is hard it well is i hard. mean for a lot for a lot of us i mean whether you've had a diagnosis as a child or not it you're still trying to figure out what to do for yourself and you're still trying to understand yourself and now you're trying to i mean you have you have four kids so even though you're trying to understand four kids you know the one with adhd it's you're trying to understand that one even more. And like you said, equip her with tools. And I mean, that can be hard when you're still trying to figure this out for yourself. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And it's tiring. And that, you know, just going back to the burnout as well, like these little things of being extra aware, that takes mental, you know, space, that's brain power, that's capacity that can go somewhere else where I have to give her extra tools, extra time. Um, there's the the whole pre and post meltdown situation. And it's like managing, it's constant. It's like having lots of pots on the boil. 
and constantly stirring and turning one down and turning one up and checking the spices and all of that. And you can never take your foot off the pedal. And so just to anyone, if you're wondering why you're always exhausted and mentally depleted, that's one of the reasons is, is because you're trying to parent a child with ADHD as well while managing yourself, while doing all the other things that every other person's doing in the world as well. So I'm, maybe I'm just having one of those days where I'm feeling it a little bit more. So before we finish, I wanted to ask you um, about the sensory side of ADHD, because I know that this is really connected with our brain and the receptors and lots of things that's going on where we can't work out why certain things we can't stand, we can't do, that, again, deplete us, that make us want to go and hide in a dark room. And I just, and I know it shows up so differently, all the sensory stuff, where I have an issue with smells, um, noises a little bit, but, you know, certain people with ADHD have more kind of, um, you know, just textures and food and, loads of things what what is the sensory side with ADHD and why is it so prominent that is a really really good question that's a really good question I think there is so much to it because well we have multiple senses first of all so even aside from the five senses like we talked about with the interoception um I think some of it so the, so the one thing I'm thinking of again coming back to the amygdala so that kind of getting like a little fired up and everything when we're getting a little irritable and some of that overload could be happening. Kind of what you were just saying a moment ago about using up space. So for everything that you're doing, you're taking up, so I know I'm throwing in a different term, working memory, but that I'll kind of say like prefrontal cortex, I'll kind of just um, stick with that. It's still taking up some of that space. So for everything that you're doing, you're still, it's still taking up some of that space in your brain. And pretty soon it's, it's at capacity and you're just, you're done. You're like, it, it's just like, you're completely done. And so think of it like a spoon, like spoons in a cup. So for everything you need to do, you take a spoon out and you have to keep taking spoons out and pretty soon they're all gone and you have no more spoons to pull out of the cup. And so now the like everything is just, it's full and you're done. So again, with the amygdala getting a little fired up along with the prefrontal cortex, like just that whole area being weakened to begin with and using up the space so quickly, we can go through that overload. But well, like it doesn't just have to be overload though. Because I know you mentioned some people, they don't like smells or some even seek it. So I shouldn't just say overload because some people seek certain things. They may seek loud environments. They may seek um, parties. They may seek, um, you know, where they love going to concerts and they just love like the loud music and running into people. So that's where it gets, it just gets interesting because we are all so different. And some of it is sensory input. So for the, for the seekers, they are, their brains are craving that input like that, and that will give them that dopamine hit. And sometimes that rush, that feeling where they're getting that rush. And so they may go and they seek uh, certain environments or certain people or 
settings where it does give them enough input to where it is giving them that dopamine hit. But then you have people that go through the overload very easily. And you can do both. You can be both. You can be a sensory seeker and a sensory avoider. Um, I know it's it's hard to believe that you can be both, but you, you can be both. It kind of goes back to the emotional dysregulation of the whole thing. Yeah. And I just think it's so much more helpful to have explanations and, and understanding because we can then tell our kids we they don't have to live in the dark. They don't have to um, have the lack of knowledge that maybe we all grew up with and they can make choices that feel feel good to them you know even just from a you know just having a, a fidget toy you know if the, you've got you know you're a stimmer and you need to be able to move I, I see it with my daughter that she needs something all the time she watches tv upside down <laughs> it's the craziest I she's seven she, yeah she sits and she watches it upside down with her feet up on the couch and she's really happy like that you know and I just kind of think if someone else came into the house and said, what is she like? Why? But there's obviously something she likes, the pressure on her head, maybe the blood into her brain. She's comfortable. She can watch TV. And so I leave her. But, you know, maybe if I didn't have that awareness, I'd be like, sit on the couch properly. That's not the way to watch TV. But right. watching it upside down. <laughs> well, and the awareness is important. And I think this whole thing of what you're saying is so important because you still have people out there that say, well, you know, it sounds like you're just wanting to use it as an excuse or you're just wanting you're just wanting to use it as an excuse. Like, why have this label? And it, this is not a matter of trying to make up excuses. It's a matter of having an understanding of what is going on with the brain and awareness. And because if you can do that, then you can kind of know what the next steps are. And we're going to have to deal with this for the rest of our lives, probably. But at least we will know what is going on within ourselves sometimes and maybe some of the steps we can take to make it a little easier. So that's what it's coming down to. I, this is not about anyone trying to make up an excuse for anything. So I do want to, I did want to point that out because I still hear that. Yeah, I do as well. And it's, it makes me really sad. And I just wish there was a bit more awareness and um, education that is growing but, you know, the the more we can talk about it, um, it can diminish the the naysayers and it can, you know, you know, if you have one person that, you know, thinks that it's all nonsense, but you have lots of other things that you're listening to that is validating what you're going through, then hopefully that will take over and we won't focus on, on the people that are ineducated and misguided and all the things. Um, and so we get, and, and I think it comes down to trusting ourselves trusting that we do know you know that's funny going back to the beginning of our conversation of how you needed that adult diagnosis that even though you'd had it when you were a child you probably knew intuitively how it showed up in lots of different ways in your life you probably knew you know where that your challenges have been and were but you still needed you know that doctor to kind of give you that like that stamp of approval and so maybe just for us to be able to trust ourselves a little bit more that we do know what's right for us. And we do know that there's certain choices and behaviors that we do that are is working in sync with our brains. I know there's certain things we do that we kind of fight against it. But sometimes, you know, again, I go back to my daughter that her sitting upside down watching TV is like a calming 
After school, she's decompressing. I'm just, she's quiet. She's happy. She's not jumping around. She looks relaxed. I'm just going to leave her. And you kind of think, well, yoga positions are all upside down. So intuitively, she's doing something that works for her. So yeah, maybe just. And trust, I, I'm trust like ourselves. that with my son too. Like I'm, I'm our son with ADHD. I know I'm trying to like tell myself the same thing. You know exactly what you're saying. You know this seems to be working for him. It 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 doesn't quite make sense to me, but I mean it it is working for him, and he needs to like we are trying to teach our kids about that self awareness, and so here they are doing it. And then sometimes for some reason our sometimes we want to say, Oh no, no, not like that. Not, you know, not like that when, but then you have to stop yourself and say, you know, well, no, that is, that is their, that's their way. This, this makes sense to them. And we want that same thing done for us because we are all, we're all different. Yeah. It's so true. I'm just thinking like trying to instill different systems for our kids, thinking that it's, that's the better way. And I've got another daughter who basically just likes to throw things in boxes. And I'm like, well, you need to fold it up because then you can see what you're wearing. And she's like, but I can see it's in a box and it's thrown in like a sports stuff. And I'm thinking, if that's what's working, what am I fighting? You know, just because it looks a bit messy and it shouldn't be, everything shouldn't be thrown in a box. So I need to learn from my kids more. They're, they're, they're my best teachers, genuinely. I, anytime I start struggling, I kind of just see something and they kind of go, right. There's another lesson. That's another lesson. So, yeah. I agree. I agree. We can learn a lot from our kids. Although we, it wasn't that long ago we were kids, but I don't know. It just, it does feel like we can learn a lot from them. Oh, well, Brittany, it's been really delightful talking to you. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your resources that you put out there for everyone to, to read. And um, I just, uh, more I just appreciate the fact that you are able to break down really complicated um analogies and really give us give us the the details the knowledge that you've obviously gone through with lots of courses and break it down so we can understand it on a more simple level so um I really thank you for that can you tell people where they can find you what you have got going on you know point everyone in the direction that you you want them to go well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on. This was a very fun discussion. And I think in general, there does need to be more education on ADHD in women, it, just in general, because of some of the stigma and biases we have gone through. And, you know, as children, we're not exactly, a lot of us weren't the hyperactive type and disruptive. And that's how some of us went under the radar for so long. And so I do appreciate that you are having more of a focus on women because it is so important. So I wanted to thank you. And well, my Instagram handle is at ADHD brain health. And I do have a link in my bio. I'm actually creating a website soon. Um, so I will have that ready. But right now, the link in my bio, it's a it's from the milkshake app. So it's msha dot ke slash Brittany underscore hostetler. And that is in the link in my bio on Instagram as well. Okay. 
I'll make sure it's all in the um, all in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. And, you know, that at least, you know, when anything new comes out, they'll be connected with you. Um, but in the meantime, go and read all of Brittany's fantastic posts because you will learn a lot. Um, Brittany, thank you so much. And I hope that we can, you know, talk again. We'll be in touch. We can, you know, do more more episodes together. It's been really good. Yes, yes, I look forward to it. Thank you so much again, Kate, and I hope you have a great day. And I wanted to thank all of your listeners as well. So that's today's episode done. Did what we talk about resonate with you? I really hope you found some takeaways that may inspire you to make some small changes that enhance your daily life. And if you did find this episode insightful, please do consider sharing it. Knowledge and awareness is power, especially with ADHD. You can also head over to the show's Instagram page, which is ADHD Women's Wellbeing Pod, and join the community that's waiting for you there. And if this episode really did strike a chord, please do consider leaving us a review to enable more people who need to hear these conversations find the show. Thanks so much for joining me today and see you next time.